0: But I do know it. there was a specific moment sitting in a, in a hospital room that I had that conversation and I did feel an overwhelming peace because I just stopped worrying about it and getting better at that point and just said, like, whatever happens, happens.
1: Welcome to Behind My Journey, a podcast that is for our community. In today's episode, I sit down with Paul Corder as someone that grew up in church and then had his faith tested throughout his life. Paul now can share his story of growing closer to God at a personal level. Welcome to this episode of the Behind My Journey podcast. My name is Quinn Eaton and I'm sitting down with Paul Quarter. Paul, how are you doing today? Great. And we just discussed how to say your last name. I said that it was kind of like the the of course the coin That's quarter. Right. Yeah. Do you get a lot of that? Does, oh,
0: man, like, and actually, I felt guilty of that, too. Like, when I was a kid, like, I remember writing a short story called The Magic Quarter <laughs> and spelled it like my last name, C-O-R-D-E-R.
1: Smart. And, yeah, and
0: I got a great grade on yeah. it, they were like, ah, that's not how you spell quarter.
1: Well, it so, sounds a lot like it, so that, yeah. that's all that matters. But, of course, Paul, a lot of people will recognize you as a member of the worship team. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of yours, right? You always rock the acoustic guitar. Do you play Do you play electric guitar? Players? I do
0: play electric guitar when they let me.
1: Yeah, so it just depends. It just depends. Okay, yep. and then, of course, uh, we were talking earlier, you've attended Journey Church for 8 to 10 years, right? Yeah, so
0: I uh, started going to Journey in 2012. We had a spell where we moved away for about a year and a half, and then uh, we moved back to Murray. We came back, so
1: 10-year span, 8 mm-hmm. years in the church. And how did you end up finding Journey Church? Was it...
0: Uh, funny story, okay. um, I was at a bridal expo, um, I wasn't like shopping uh-huh. or anything, I was actually working, my wife is a photographer, and we were at a booth um, across from McKenzie and Brett Shucraft, um, yeah. who are also good friends of ours as well. Um, also photographers Mm -hmm. and Matt and and Matt and Jen I think we're both there and Matt at one point came over introduced himself to me said what they were doing and then um, you know invited me to come and you know also was kind of like yeah sure well yeah yeah that sounds great but then um, also uh, some of you all may or may not remember Wesley Hughes who was here for um, a time uh, was doing a lot of production stuff and I was working with him over at It Auditorium at the time. He's like, man, you should come and do sound. And so I actually got plugged into Journey by uh, being volunteering on the production team and that, then they found out that I played guitar, and I was mm-hmm. like, hey, you should come and play guitar. And then I, like, I was on production for like a week before I was like in the band. So <laughs> and then they after recruited the, you in, yeah. And then they the recruited
1: team. me in, yeah, as, as a guitar player. Well, I so. think everyone that at- attends the journey is thankful that you got moved from production into the worship Oh, team, well, so. that sounds a whole lot better than it would have if I'd been behind a mixing <laughs> board. So, yeah, gotcha. you got that going for us. Um, but, of course, your story, the, the journey is an important part of your story, sure. and, I, and I'm sure we'll get to that at, at one point. But... Uh, it's behind my journey, the full journey, not the behind my journey while I attended journey, right? <laughs> so let's go ahead and get back to kind of the roots of your faith. Explain to the people that are listening maybe how you kind of found God, how you first experienced faith, or, or maybe what your church experience was like growing up. Yeah,
0: growing up, um, I mean, I can't remember a time in my life that like I wasn't going to church. like. It was like Sunday morning you wake up and you go to church Um, I grew up in a small southern Baptist church uh, in Breckenridge County Kentucky and you know at nine years old I remember um, going to a revival right and sitting and listening to somebody just like and I'm pretty sure he was talking directly to me like the entire time right just yelling at me something you know you're you're going to go to hell if you don't repent. And like I was nine years old, like the vivid picture of an evangelist coming in and talking to you about hell. Like I was scared to death. Like I remember that night going home, like woke my dad up at like 2am and I was just like, dad, I don't want to go to hell. And like, and we sat up that night and we prayed and, you know, and and I remember at nine years old, like two o'clock in the morning, right? Like letting Jesus come into my heart. Um, and, you know, going through, you know, you you get saved and the next thing you do is you get baptized. And um, and that was for me at a young age, like that was me being a Christian was that like I had this fear. But that's how I really felt as I got older and, and got like into high school. And, and definitely when I got into college is that like, what does it really mean to be a Christian? Right. Um, and I really never had clarity on that other than like well you just got to live your life like Jesus did you got to be a good person but I didn't really know what our church never really dug into like what that meant for me and so that was um, I guess a big question mark as I moved away and went into college was that like it very quickly became very easy for me to lose sight of that um, and some of that was through the people that I hung out with. Some of that was through the fact that, you know, coming to Murray, I didn't have a church. So it was really easy for me on a weekend to just not go to church. Yeah. And that became very comfortable for me. It was actually more uncomfortable to go back home and go to church on a Sunday than it was for me to just stay in Murray and not worry about going to church. Right. I never had that nobody was calling me on Sunday morning going, hey, where are you at? Where'd you go
1: to church this morning, Paul? The accountability aspect. There was no
0: accountability when I was in college.
1: And kind of, of course, backtracking a little bit to the whole revival thing, like that's your first, not the most welcoming introduction, but it was effective, right? And
0: <laughs> it, it, it worked for this very um,
1: yeah. very impressionable nine-year-old. <laughs> and, and something that I've always heard is that there are different types of motivations. There are Away motivations and then there are towards motivations. And this has always helped me for some reason. But it sounds like initially your experience with faith was away motivation because you didn't want to go to hell. It wasn't focused more on like I want to know God. It was like, well, I don't want to do that. Yeah, this this is
0: definitely I've seen this. We we (laughs) talked about revelation for an entire week. I definitely don't want to be part of that. that. So the only other logical thing for me is to do just what you said, right? I want to go away from that. I want to get closer to this because it sounds like if I'm just saved, mm-hmm. then like that's never going to happen
1: and I'm okay with that. So I, I've always been told that the, the towards motivation, so instead of being motivated away from something, being motivated towards something, that's of course always more effective, more long-lasting. And so it sounds like as a nine-year-old, yes, you got introduced to faith and uh, maybe not like I said, maybe not the most welcoming way to be introduced to it. But uh, you, you get to college and now you're, you have a little bit more freedom and you have choices and you can say, well, if I wanna sleep in on a Sunday I can and no one's gonna ask me where I was. So talk about that because that happens to a lot of people. Uh, I I just graduated from from college and so I, I understand that completely. Talk about how tough it is to go from being accountable to kind of having to make decisions on your own.
0: Yeah, well, and for me too, it was where I grew up in rural Breckenridge County there were just things that I did not experience growing up. Um, and so you start to, you start to think about things that you were taught as a kid. And then you get somewhere where, you know, at some university cultures, right? It's like, it's just a melting pot of diversity. And you start to, to meet people and you start to get associated with things and you're like, man, this is nothing like what my grandparents were telling me growing up. Like, this is wonderful. And you start to enjoy that and you start, but it, it makes you question everything else you were taught, right? And I thought about that from things that um, I heard growing up as a kid. And it's being like, ah, do I, do, is that right? do I really feel that way is that the way we're supposed to act toward people Mm -hmm. I'm not sure and so like I want to say that in college I almost got a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth about church in general because I only knew church from that setting and and it wasn't that I was being taught anything wrong but again it was more or less like being taught like this is bad this is bad we don't do this, we don't associate with this, we stay away from this, um, it was almost like we we're putting caution tape around everything versus like bringing the tape down and saying like, it's okay to love everybody, it's okay right. to, um, you know, I. there's just things I remember, Like I don't, I don't to touch alcohol, mm-hmm. like was always the hot button topic, and then like you get to college and it's just like,
1: there it's there, like that,
0: that are there, and you're like, well, is that really the thing is that the thing that we're going to focus in on anyway i'm i'm getting off topic but like it was really easy for me to have more questions than answers by the time i got to college and it really shook me to the to the point that i was like is my faith really founded like do i have a firm foundation in which that i'm stepping into this new you know life if you will and the answer was i didn't it was really easy for me to be like ah, I don't know I don't yeah. know I mean God I know you're there and and I and I believe you and I believe that you love me and I believe that you you know you died on the, uh, on the cross to save us from our sins but like I don't know that I
1: believe everything that I've been hearing growing up right and so maybe it sounds like for a period of your life you were not necessarily plugged in or you didn't really have a personal relationship with God but of course Now you're on fire for God. And at what point did that personal relationship really start to develop?
0: So for me, um, when it became really personal, it's hard to put a date on that. The only date that I can put on it is um, April 1st of 2010. And that was when I was diagnosed with cancer. And I had gone through college um, met the love of my life, thought I had the world figured out, was engaged, was ready to get married, um, was, was blazing my own trail, so to speak, and was doing it, quite frankly, without being plugged into a church, without having a community um, that was lifting me up in my walk. And, and that bombshell dropped, and I go, whoa, all of a sudden... The job's not there. All of a sudden, you know, we're starting this marriage um, from a hospital, Mm -hmm. if you will. And very quickly, like, I realized that I am not in charge of what happens with my life. And I'm not saying that God did that. I'm not saying that I had cancer because God was trying to wake me up. But I do feel like that God is very intentional sometimes and places obstacles in your path that says, like, hey, man, like, I, I'm, I'm here, like, and you're not going to be able to go through this alone. And I hate that you're going through this, but like, and, and again, whether that's right or wrong, that, at the time, that was the way that I took that as like, oh, this is a really big wake-up call for me. Um, Because not only was it like we went through chemo and, you know, things were well because we did. Like I went through chemo the first time and got the all clear and was ready to go and take on the world again as a cancer survivor. And then like, you know, two weeks before we get married, like the cancer comes back and it's more aggressive this time. And then you really start freaking out and you start going like, okay, like, The question doesn't become like, man, like we're gonna be be able to get through this and gonna be able to do these things. It's gonna be like, am I gonna get through this? Like, am I going to make it to the other side of this second diagnosis? Because when they tell you like the odds of you getting through it are less than thirty percent, I'm not a very smart person, but I also know that means there's like a seventy percent chance that like it's not gonna work, and that's terrifying yeah um terrifying to the point that you know sometimes when you're when you hit rock bottom and you hear the story all the time right i was at my lowest point and then i reached out to god like yeah like i'm i am that stereotypical situation right that goes man god like i can't do this without you like i can't get through this without you and you know, and that peace that comes about you when you kind of hand things off, um, you can't really put words to it. But I do know it. there was a specific moment sitting in a, in a hospital room that I had that conversation and I did feel an overwhelming peace because I just stopped worrying about it and getting better at that point And just said like, whatever happens, happens and i you know i can say between my family as a support system during that time my wife as a support system during that time period um and then having that and and, and getting to the point where i was like i need you guys to pray over me like i need that i need that extra umph yeah. if you will i need you to pray over the doctors like i you know and so we got through that it took some surgery and it took time but like we we are at the other side of cancer now and you know happy to say that you know we're 10 plus years cancer free um which is amazing and i want to say that like that put me on the straight and narrow and you know from here on out like i've just been you know you said on fire for god like yeah i am at that point now but was i at that point in 2011 coming out on the other side of a cancer diagnosis no no i was right. still a work in progress because guess what still wasn't plugged into a church i still wasn't you know Doing the things, I still didn't have a community of people around me that were supporting me until, <laughs> you know, fast forward to the end of 2011, where all of a sudden, you know, there was a church that was there to support us. And I'm going to tell you right now, and this is not cliche, and I'm not saying it because you're paying me to be here, because you're not. I'm not. No. You're not paying <laughs> me to be here. Um, if it wasn't for getting plugged into journey when we got plugged into we would i would i can confidently say that our marriage probably wouldn't have made it much further than when we met matt and jen and the group and i'm not saying that just because like they came in and they walked alongside us and we had these huge marital issues no we were a young married couple that was reeling with some trauma of like starting a marriage in the midst of a cancer diagnosis and so it's like you never feel like you get off to the right foot but the one thing we didn't really realize and we knew that was uh, a possibility in the back of our minds was that it would also lead to infertility and it's one of those things where going through that journey of infertility and you know, because we went through it at a time when we lived in Owensboro, we were away from Germany, we were all by ourselves going through that and, and dealing with that and grieving that. And it was hard. I mean, if my wife were sitting here right now, she would tell you it was hard. But it was really nice to come to the other side of that when we were able to move back to Murray, and we all of a sudden had a group of people that were surrounding us in the journey. They weren't saying, how can we fix it? They weren't, but they were just there. Yeah. We could, we could talk to them. We could reach out, you know, it felt like we had a tribe in the process and it was something that we didn't have because we're very, uh, we're both very strong-willed people and it was being able to, um, allow somebody to carry some of the burden as well. Even if it's your closest friends, even if it's your small group, um, there's power in that to know that you're not carrying all of that on your own. And, um, you know, it's just... Those are some of the moments I think about, like, when we got plugged into Journey, and I'm assuming that's eventually where we're going, um, you know, what that did for our faith walk
1: in the process. And... With all of that stuff that you just walked through, I think a really easy question to ask God is why? Did you ever find yourself just simply asking God why?
0: Yeah, I think it's human nature to try to understand why. And I did ask that a lot and I didn't have the answer, but looking back at it 10 years later, the why is because I'm, I'm sitting right here talking to you today. Mm-hmm. The why is that, um, you know, my wife and I have been able to use our story to help a handful of people and their struggle. You know, I'll, I'll use infertility. Um, you know, it's something that people struggle with, but it's almost like taboo to talk about. And so... The two of us both being a voice for saying like it's okay that you're going through this because lots of people go through this and people don't talk about it and like you know almost almost seeing people come out of the woodwork to go like we've been dealing with this too and I I try as much as I can to like use opportunities like this to to share like you know they're you're, if, you're, if you're listening to this right now right like and you're going through the the same things that my wife and I have gone through like you're not alone you're not alone and um, so the why for me is is that I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for the challenges that I faced you know 10 11 years ago it it helped mold me to be the person that I am today it taught me a lot of lessons about myself Um, and ultimately yeah it did bring me closer to god because i can now i now know that like there is a bigger reason that i'm here other than just to be because at the time like i i can't look back in 2010 and say like why am i here and now i can look back at the work that you know i get to do every week with this church and and you know every week when i go up on stage to play like the thing that i say is like you know there's just one person out there one person that's it i don't need i don't need you know fame i don't need fortune i just i want people to be to get closer to god and i want to use
1: the gifts that i've been given and to be able to do that mm-hmm. do you feel like you found journey church at the time in your life that you were supposed to it was incredibly
0: fortuitous, I think, yeah. I mean, um, and, you know, and was I resistant to it at the time? Yeah, because I was like, gosh, I don't, I, don't, I don't want a commitment where I feel like I was when I was a kid. I was like, I have to do this thing every Sunday. Um, but I also had never experienced anything like journey um, in my childhood. I've never been somewhere where... Um, you know, everything we talk about is so practical here. And I never feel like when I'm sitting down and, and listening to Matt or listening to anybody speak, I never feel like I'm being talked down to. I feel like I'm being talked to. Exactly. And, and, and I'm able to take something out of anything that I hear and say, like, how can I apply this? in my daily life even if I'm not a Christian and I think that's what's beautiful right because that's what the church is Mm -hmm. that's what the church was originally designed to be is a place for unchurched people to want to attend and you know unfortunately I think more often than not churches sometimes miss the mark with that and it becomes very very self-serving versus like how do we how do we get the message out that like we want unchurched
1: people inside of our church and I think kind of coming full circle a big aspect of Journey Church is to be known what the church is for, not what they're against, going back to the away motivation towards motivation, not to slap a theme on this episode, but (laughs) I think that that's one of the things that drew me in, is like, this is what the church is supposed to be doing, not what we're supposed to be avoiding, and that was a big aspect for me, so I know that that, the journey plays a a huge role in, I think, a lot of these episodes, just because people do come here and, and find it, you know, welcoming, and It feels that i've always felt at home as soon as i stepped in here
0: and it's nice to feel at home and i think the other the other piece too is that um the church challenges you to go out and to do more Mm -hmm. um you know the journey we and i don't think i'm off base here but i don't know that we we always necessarily just want people that are always just comfortable coming in sitting down listening to what matt has to say or they really enjoy the music and then they walk out and leave. Like I think that we're always pushing to to be better, to be more, and, and helping people find where their place is within the church because there's just
1: there's so many things mm-hmm. that that we can do. And and clearly the journey is a, a big part of your story. So you've already mentioned Matt and Jen and, and even Brett McKenzie. Mm-hmm. But are there any other key people that you feel like you would you would attribute to your faith in you your know, journey? Um,
0: our, our entire small group during that time period, um, you know, gosh, a good chunk of them aren't even here anymore. But like, you know, I think about um, Sarah James and Wade, like there's just, there's so many people in that time period. I mean, the entire Journey staff invest has invested in me, not only um, in my walk in faith, but in me as a leader as well, right? Like giving me opportunities to lead on a Sunday, you know, um, whether it's mad investing um, in the community or investing in me um, as a leader so that I can, you know, not necessarily use the church as a platform, but right, like, but use what I'm being taught inside the church to elevate my role and in, and in my career um, as a leader as well. As a, You know, I think, and that's the beautiful thing about Journey is that it goes sometimes beyond just what happens on Sunday and, and you know, between Jordan, Jared, like, I mean, if I miss a staff person, I'm sorry, but I can't think of a single staff person that hasn't um, invested in me in some way along, um, along my walk as well.
1: And then for people, you've already kind of said, like for anyone that's listening today, and, and you've given some advice, but maybe like a, I already accidentally slapped a theme on the episode, right? So give some advice to some people that are listening that might not be in, in spe- the specific uh, part of their life that you you the things that you've gone through, yeah. but just something that being on the other side of everything advice that you could give them
0: yeah, I think the if I had to give one piece of advice, it's um, you can try all you want to make things happen on your time, but your time isn't always the best time. Uh, sometimes there is um, hope in the waiting Um, and I know that sounds cliche but um, and it may not even be accurate but there there's something to be said that when you're in the waiting and if you find that peace in the waiting um, the payoff at the end is so much sweeter right like my wife and I waited seven years sometimes patiently most of the time impatiently for our first child to arrive and there's just something next level when things happen on God's time and on God's terms. And when you are allow when you allow yourself to do that, just it's so much more worth it. And I, I know um, that some of you all are listening to that right now and going yeah that's really easy for you to say and I'm like no it's not like it's really hard for me to say and like even right now like it's hard for me to sometimes just like know that that there's that there's peace in the waiting and but there is but there is and but it takes sacrifice and it takes you having to be able sometimes to just say you know what God I'm like giving this to you and I'm gonna let you decide when is the right time for this to happen if it Supposed to happen mm-hmm. because that's the other piece too, which is a whole nother
1: podcast, right? Part two, maybe, right? <laughs> next summer, coming yeah. next summer. But Paul, thank you so much for, of course, number one, being a leader, number two, for sharing your story, and then sitting down and, and doing the Behind My Journey podcast. I know your story is going to help a lot of people. Yeah,
0: appreciate you having me on.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind My Journey. If you or anyone that you know would like to have your journey featured on this podcast, send us an email at podcast@journeycalloway.com. At Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if this message spoke to you, please help us spread the word and share it with others. Until next time, my name is Quinn Eaton, and this has been Behind My Journey.